have you noticed where whenever you go out with your friend or mm-hmm. with your friends in the car you have probably some of the best rides ever even if you're like okay just sometimes it's just extremely funny or sometimes it's just some serious talk um i've had the best experience with like if i'm driving with my friends and we're talking about legit topics something like divorce something like um parental issues and i've had such 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 um productive conversations something so much i get to learn from and i never have those kind of conversations in a cafe okay never okay there's so much distraction in 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 a restaurant or a cafe you're just talking about movies or this and that but you're not talking about maybe issues um in the car i feel like people feel like they have that personal space okay and i've always felt like people feel comfortable in if they're in like a like a closed space and they're going somewhere so um even last night i was sitting with a friend for about two hours and we were talking about a specific topic past trauma and this and that and how what she could do to overcome it what she could do to like you know feel better or how the past trauma cannot be repeated in her future relationships sat there for two hours and she felt extremely better after it sure and it was like what she's supposed to say she's not gonna say like oh thank you i feel like people are looking for some kind of a clarity okay right they so, want to be told what to think you mean yeah because uh, my first thing whenever someone wants to share with me is like do you want to vent express or are you looking for an advice or an opinion okay because i don't want to like we're in 2022 yeah cannot take the risk of like giving an advice which is not needed right People get <laughs> I don't agree with that, pe- but okay. People get triggered so fast. Like, well, who gives a shit? Tell them to fuck off. Yeah, but relationships. Then you don't have friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cost you have to pay it's for, okay. right? Fuck <laughs> so I feel like um, I've learned this thing over, and it saves you from trouble as well. Sometimes yeah. you have to put that kind of effort in, and you're just like, is it worth then? Is, is it, it worth? Yeah. Wait, is it like honestly? I'm asking. It, it's worth it. Trust me. It it's like it gives you. So if a person is not asking for advice, you. You have to go with the flow and see what you want to do. But if you ask them, it makes them feel valuable and like, okay, you know what? The person is giving us that kind of attention that he wants to know what he wants to do. He's putting in that effort. So every time I've asked this question to my friends or anyone who's close to me that, okay, are you, are you like expressing or I get a direction on what, what can I do from here? And it saves me that extra brain that I have to put on that attention that, okay, you know what? I maybe I have, maybe she's venting or maybe he's venting or maybe... And then I have a direction that, okay, this is how the conversation is going to go. It prepares my mind in that way. Um, even, I feel like people, like last night, for example, when my friend was talking about past drama and this and that, yeah. um, it was like, okay, all right, so you, are you looking for this? She's like, I need advices. I need opinions. What do you think? At the end of two-hour session, we were talking. It was just like sharing stuff. She's like, okay, you know what? I feel like this is what I need to do. I need to step back. I can see the step, my next step. That's the only thing I need to focus on. The rest, I keep the next step. I will see that the next step. I don't need to think about the end results. But I buddy, why do you want to take that shit on to yourself? Because it's a, it's a close friend. Who gives a shit? I give a shit because... Don't see, give a shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'll tell you, about? I'll tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a... That, I'm, I'm that emotional person. Uh-huh. So if my friends are going through something, I want to do whatever. Like people who are not just friends, friends. They're like close friends who mean something to me. Something we've been carrying on since last like seven, eight years. Sure. Right? If they're going through some kind of trauma or some issue, I don't want to be the therapist. I don't want to give them like professional advice. But you I'm are. Not a professional. <laughs> Two no, hours. Like, like not to an extent, okay, do this and then you're going to feel better. Yeah. I'd be like, you could do this, but okay. it's up to you. 
Because I... Why get involved? What What if you do this and you kill yourself and the blame is on me? How is it a blame on you? It's their decision to make, isn't that's it? Why, that's why you got to tell them that you got to do whatever you want to do. But it's up to you. You got to think before doing it. Man is little better for liking themselves <laughs> if no one else likes them, right? I, I, I feel like with, with close friends, when, this is how I think. It comes down to like, I have some responsibility to make sure like, you know, my friends are doing well. You have no responsibility on no one other than your own life. Th that's first. There's no denying that. But okay. I like to like do a bit more because I feel like... You like to, me to mangle. That's the problem here. You like to get overly involved. Is it that or is it like these people have come through and come, come with me such a long journey, like last seven, eight years? Mm -hmm. My, the, the phase, which is the most important phase where the university is ending and you're stepping into that adult life and they've been there for you. So it's not Tell like a... <laughs> Take a hike, I, buddy. I, some some days I want to do that, but like, I don't want to lose friendship. Who cares, dude? It's a, listen. This is the, this is the way I always think about it, right? Uh, uh, you're 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 rich if you have one friend. You have a kingdom if you have two, right? And so I think the majority of time when people like are asking you something, it's because they just want to vent. And I don't have the majority time of the times, yeah, to listen to your bullshit, right? <laughs> I got my own problems. I'll, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you where this mindset comes from. So. My school life was extremely lonely. Yeah. I had no friends. I was in a corner. The friends I had were not the best. Okay. Um, and it was a bit traumatizing to childhood. But when I stepped into university, it was a bit more popular. It, it was, um, I was doing theater. I did Shakespeare stuff. I did like uh, my posters were everywhere. Sure. So that, that got me attention. Sure. Right. And then the downfall came when the friends fall, fell apart. The groups fell apart. So I saw that attention bit and I saw a downfall where I did not have friends at all. And at that point, being a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, I was like, how does this work? I need friends to survive. Why? Because I thought this is how life works. Have you never heard of monks and, mer and hermits? They, they <laughs> hang out by themselves all the time. Yeah. Be be Oka Okadu or whatever they're called. What's the Japanese term, Dante? Look it up for those guys <laughs> who hang out in their own apartment all the day. Isn't it called like Okai, Okadu or something like that? Yeah, by the way, how do you pronounce your name? Talha. 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 The Arabic pronunciation is Talha. Talha. It's Talam Ha and Ha. Like okay. Tamarbuta. Okay. Um, but, uh, so there you heard it. His name is Talha. That's Talha. it. So we don't have to do the edit. You know, <laughs> the, um, so my name is Muhammad Talha. Okay. So uh, culturally, in our name, we put like Muhammad behind the name. Okay. It's like, you know, there's Sayyid Hashim. Okay. Like, you know, but um, people are always confused because they see my Instagram. It's Zazo. Okay. And then my bio says Muhammad. Okay. And sometimes it's And then Talha. you introduce yourself as Talha. Talha. <laughs> okay. So, um, the reason why it's Zazo, it's because I've separated Talha from the photography and everything. I don't want to keep the same thing as Talha and photography, same thing. So I get to separate the creative. You bit. see me scratching my head, means I'm confused, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because. So why, why did you separate the Zalha? Talha. Talha from? From Zazo. Zazo. Yeah. Why did you separate that first? Because I wanted. Who's Zalzo, by the way? The I am Zazo. Is that your official name or is that just your <laughs> nickname? That's like the creative name. That's okay. like the artist name. I okay. Have, right. So I, I, I separated it because I didn't want it the same identity as Talha. So I have two accounts basically. One is private where I post private personal stuff, life, family and all of that. Right. And the other is solely purely art okay. where I create stuff and all. So I wanted it's like a brand. Sure. So identity of that brand itself. So if I, f I feel like if I put Talha as the, the artist, I would be doing everything within that. I would be 
posting live stuff, family stuff. It would be just one thing. So I wanted okay. to make things easier for me a bit and keep my. I'm a bit of a person who keeps my personal stuff to myself. Okay. Um, if I'm going out with except friends that you're nosy with your friends and getting involved in their lives. Yeah, but that, <laughs> <laughs> that is also a bit personal though. So um, that all goes into Talha and all of that. The okay. Zazo name came from basically 2010. Um, I changed it on Facebook because my friend gave me that name. It was like out of a fun thing, and then I changed it on Facebook. And when I wanted to change it back to Muhammad Talha, Facebook was like, nah, you changed it way, many, way too many times. Okay. It didn't allow me to change. Still today, I can't change it. So make another Facebook account. Another? Yeah. Uh, who uses Facebook anymore? I don't even use it. Okay. Well, I mean, for your Instagram account, if it's a business. Account. Yeah, yeah. So I just have that as Talha. It's, it's, it's linked to it. Um, and I've just left it. I don't really care. I don't really go in it. I don't do anything. I don't do Facebook marketing at all. Um, oh, why? Uh, Especially from your brand perspective. Uh, I feel like I personally did not need any, any of that. Like, okay. I had stuff that got established can on... Can you load up his Instagram, if you don't mind, Dan? So we can, so the audience can see? Okay, so this is your official Instagram slash work portfolio, yes. right? Yes. Okay. And, and y y y is there a reason why you feel like Facebook marketing won't be beneficiary for you? I think it would be the more, the better. But the thing is that... I didn't feel th th there was not a necessary reason for me to put that extra effort in, even though it would have helped. But I felt like things have been going on uh, since a while, since the last two, three years. I've started doing this since I made my account public in 2017 in the beginning, like January, February. Okay, that's like five years now. Yeah. So since then, I've been getting from one client to the other, to the other, to the other. So now I work with some brands who are renowned in Bahrain and so I have this um, I have an ongoing thing which doesn't really make me feel that I need another source of marketing I need to do, do a bit more even though that would help but I'm already a bit busy with that so um, and, and, and plus I'm a bit selective with my clients sure so I don't want anything everything sure so I do get clients and I'm like selective okay do I want to work with them or not this is very interesting. Sorry to interrupt you because because uh, I, when I'm saying about the fa the business aspect on, on Facebook, isn't just because of um, the client aspect. It's also super beneficiary for managing your posts in a sense of you can you can set a calendar, yeah, and you can preset all the posts and when they're going to do it. So you can spend like let's say two one day two days, plan out your entire week of what's going to be published. Yeah. And so you can then spend the rest of your time not on your phone. This works with like brands and this works with like um, corporates and all of that. If, if there's like, let's say a bank or let's say a clothing brand, it works great for them. But for me, I'm, I'm very un inconsistent with my, my profile, at, uh, least, at, least, okay. at least now. Yeah. Because whatever I post, I'm, I'm like... It has to be in the moment. It has to be, and I have to be like very sure about it. I cannot post something that I'm not sure about it. I've had, I posted something in 2000, I believe, 18, mm -hmm. right when I came from back from Sydney. I posted something and I didn't like the edit, but I still posted it. And still, <laughs> sometimes I think about it. I'm like, I, I wasn't happy with that edit. So okay, go back to the Instagram, Dan. Uh, so tell me some parts about the post. So we talked about the, uh, earlier off the camera, about the skyscraper. The very top, Dan, if you scroll to the top. Uh, I think the first one, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's in the middle. Top, top, top. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, the time slice. <coughs> so tell me about it. How did the idea come about? Did you just like it said, oh, you know what? That looked really interesting. 
Um, I remember there was this uh, so Modamo, the, yeah. the account, they were like, you know what? Um, post a picture with the concept of sunset and you're going to win something. Okay. Right? So I wanted some kind of a push to just go out and shoot at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I, I might do something. And I'd seen this other photographer in Sydney who has done time slices and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I hadn't, at that time, I didn't see anyone do a time slice over here. So I was like, you know what? Let me just experiment it. Everyone has shot this building, but no one has shot this concept yet. Sure. So I want to go ahead and shoot. I've shot this building so many times, and every single time I shoot it, I have to come up with a different um, idea for, for, it to make, for it to look different. Don't you think if you would have switched it from, from, from instead of light to night, to night to light? So instead of going from right to left, left to right? Does that make sense? Um, I think uh, sun, the, the, uh, so it would look like instead of going from light to dark, it goes from dark to light. I, I went because it's like the sun goes down. So it starts from English. Side. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm wondering because I think that it would, ca- it, it would cause more dichot- dichotomy. It cause more, more of, of, of a pause effect if it's the, the unnatural way. way. Yeah. The, right. The, the, the idea of being the odd one out, right. Or well, like the r- different one. In, in videography, usually if you want the story to move forward or it's, it's har- harmonious, characters move from, from left to right. So whenever you see like a walking shot, it's always it's left, left to right. right if you want the story to move forward, right? Yeah. But if the characters are going the other way, it's right to right left, right. It, 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 shows, um, it shows that not only are they going backwards, in the sense of your mind, they're going back to wherever they come from, or time-wise, or if they're thinking about like a flashback, they go like uh, right to left. Or if you want to create like an intensity of that emotion, like oh, what, what, why? Do you get yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it feels for your brain unnatural. Yeah, it, and that gets a bit more attention than the, the regular things, right? That's what I was wondering. Um, but I think uh, at that time I felt this was this was the first time I was experimenting with time slice, so I did not know a lot of things. Um, what takes about maybe five minutes to do? I did it in like what five four hours. Sure. Because sure. this is the first time I'm trying it. I mean, you can go in Photoshop and just flip it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, The whole time slice is like taking each picture, color grading it according mm. to your likeness, and making sure these are the selection and all of that. So I I used this image for in the contest, and I did not end up winning. Oh, that sucks. But. Oh, who won? Can we? Can you find out? No, we, I don't think we can actually. Well, we can't. But I'll tell you, the whole process is is one of the issues that I have with this. Uh, uh, this I feel like um, so around us we have so many photography competitions which are based on popularity. They they are not just uh, competitions; they are popularity contests. So, for example, X Y Z Restaurant wants to host a photography uh, competition but they want attention, they want likes, they want comments. They'd be like, okay, Engagement. the picture with the most likes and if you tag two people on it, well, it's gonna win. Sure. You can throw your the, your artwork into trash because someone with um, a Nokia 6670 with like extremely pixelated uh, image is gonna win because he has more followers or he has more um, family and friends and it's not based on that. I called out a couple of companies over here. Like I saw this um, XYZ company, they were like this and that. And I posted on my story and <laughs> I was like, don't you think this is kind of absurd? I sent them a DM and I posted on my story that we shouldn't be having a popularity concept. It's bad for artists as well. Like imagine a, a 18 year old kid who puts in so much effort in creating something and then loses to something which is 
not even anything close to the concept of photography as an art. But it's life. Yeah, it, it's life. And then it, it affects the young artist. Like, okay, I'm not, maybe I'm not good enough. Whatever. The, the then person. you have a fickle dream. I mean, if, if, if <laughs> that's the guidance. thing that breaks you, then <laughs> maybe you were never meant See, to do I, it. See, I feel like if you're young, you definitely need guidance. I, I didn't do anything. Any of this is not through guidance. It's like self-learned everything, everything A to Z. So, but I see kids in my DMs. They're like, uh, hey, can I come? And like, I'll be an intern and shoot. And they're putting that effort in just to learn. So they, they're looking for it, but there's and no one to. And how does that make you feel? It's such a nice feeling. Really? <laughs> it's such a nice feeling that someone, someone looks up to me in a way that they want me to teach them or they want me to, they want to learn from me. I, I remember. I know I'm jumping off from topic to topic, but uh, um, I've had, I've had this these beautiful moments, which is very rare, and I cannot ever get used to it. If I'm shooting in public or something, and someone recognizes me, and they act like a fangirl, I'm just like, <sighs> I start sweating because it's just such, such a nice feeling because. I never saw any of this coming, and I'm not some big. F I, I still consider myself as a small artist, and if someone, someone, someone feels that, then you know they can feel related to my work or feel better from my work. That's the best thing ever. Blows me away because I'm totally the opposite. <laughs> you do not give a shit. <laughs> it, it, I think that's that's right. I mean, that's that's the old adage, right? Either you make a product for someone or you make it for yourself. Right? Either you're doing things and you're doing it for the popularity contest or you're like, fuck the world, I mean, I'm doing it because I like it. You could do it for yourself and if all of these things come with it, why not? A, hor a, 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 horse, a horse is a camel designed by committee. A horse is a camel designed by committee. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to say it. Right? The, 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 if, if, if you have an idea and you want the output, then you have to put your head down and do it. The moment you take into people, other people's like opinions into account and their likes, yeah. you end up uh, with a product that's not I've, the product. I've you been there. Be. I've been there where I'm like, okay, my last post was a person's face, and then I post a picture of Sky. It's not going to get so many likes because Instagram kind of shows the face, and if it's getting so many likes, I need to do something that's gonna gonna up the the previous one. Mm -hmm. So, I've been through that struggle, and I've wrote concepts based on how Instagram attention affects your creativity and the artist that you want to be and no matter how much you run away the the kind of attention that pokes you you have to leave that behind at some point i was able to do it but it took me a while you, well you bring up something really interesting because peter dinklage i think his name is uh the game of thrones guy no not peter dinklage uh, dan who's that photographer the guy who does the nd filters peter mckinnon peter mckinnon, peter McKinnon. thank you he, he brings up something similar to what you're saying, and he's saying that, that Facebook has trained him as a photographer to start only shooting vertical. And he had to untrain his brain yes. to shoot in landscape. Uh, that's what I do. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's really, really interesting. And, I'm and just shooting portraits because that's what, uh, that's the massive size that you can get on Instagram, right? Like, if you post a landscape, it's like this much. But a portrait is like... But it works for websites perfectly. Um, I, I, I used to be a huge fan of Peter McKinnon back then uh, when I was starting. I got to learn so much from him. Just his energy was, was epic. He is, he, he, he is a really, really good photographer, especially if you can see the one, uh, the one on the, the second image on the left, Dan. Left, a little bit more. Left, that's right. <laughs> Go up. 
think it would we actually cross that image on that. Yeah, I have to close that one now. And the one left. on the left, furthest to the left, the second one. Further left? It's just this one. Left, that's right. That's right. <laughs> left, one more. And then one down. Yeah. He does really good work creating a color depth. He plays a little bit with the foreground. Yeah, right. He's very good with lighting and shadow, like mm. a blend of both. He's very good with it. Especially if you look at that jumper, that kind of sharpness that you see, right? This is this is shot on a prime lens for sure. Maybe um, one point four, one point eight. That could have also been a zoom lens. I mean, at a two point eight. I mean, looking at his videos, his setup is usually very close to his face, so I could assume maybe. Uh, but it looks like he shoots with uh, a 24 1.4 prime lens a lot. Um, and it could be that. I mean, this could be, I mean, usually you usually can tell by the face what millimeter it is, right? Yeah. Because the more, the more wider the face, uh, the lower the millimeter, the, the millimeter more narrow yeah. the face, the more higher that millimeter. So this shot could be very easily a 70 mil or an 85, a portrait in a millimeter. 85 is a bit difficult, I believe, because 85... Depends would on how be far back the camera yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, because because where he's sitting at the wall is not that far back. That, again, we don't know how far back that wall I've is seen either, his, right? I've seen his video, so... Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you know where the position is. I'm just talking out of my ass because <laughs> I'm just looking at that no, image. No, but you have a valid point, though. Um, um, but he doesn't... I don't like his, his... I don't know if it's the computer or the monitor or the TV. I don't like his colors on his face. It's a little too orangey and red. That hue? Uh, it, it could... It, it's too warm for me. He, he does that thing. He kind of makes the pictures a bit warm and then he kind of desaturates it. So yeah. you're not going to see like like blowing up saturation in his pictures. Most of the times it's like toned down. Mm. I mean, he, 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 he does have his sharpness like on point. The, yeah. the eyes, that watch, mm. that is really well done. And, and the he's, tattoos. he's very uh, particular with certain things like he's very good with subtle marketing. Mm. So that watch could be in one of the vlogs that he did or the, the ring that he's wearing, or, or maybe the guitar in the back. He's very subtle with, even, especially he's a huge coffee fan, right? So he does this thing, like coffee videos, and he tries to infuse these little things in the videos, which is very subtle. He also does like the two minute Tuesday, but it's always yeah, like- Yeah, it's always like 10 minutes. long, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, he's, he's really good at branding, and he's really good at marketing. Yeah. And I think right. it's, it's, at the end of the day, it all comes to, um, how confident you are in front of the camera. Can, like, can you bring up uh, Peter M uh, McKinnon's Instagram? Like, I just want to see the count, the contrast between, because both of you are photographers, obviously, but you both are on, on different platforms, different engagements. Okay. Oh, he's uh, doing a lot of different stuff now. Yeah, I mean that's racing. Obviously, he probably was hired as a club from, from. Yeah, he was uh, as a he was a guest of the paddle club, for one of the teams, I believe. That's the far left. That has to be a drone shot, either that or helicopter. Yeah, uh, probably a drone shot. And then if you can scroll further down. Okay, it's a lot of nature, a lot of uh, a lot of landscape. If back then it was just nature. Now I'm surprised is he doing a lot of uh, like uh, motion shots of cars and bikes and whatnot. I mean, he's got a few action poses. Yeah. I I I find his uh, color grading always very impressive, but uh, if you talk about creating these Can kind you go of one down, down. Sorry, I I sorry a little up, a little up, a little up, just perfect. So that shot there, I remember him talking a video about it, 
that is really really done really well done yeah but i know he edited it with with photoshop in order to to get that window with that grass right. as a framing device it's wholly unique it, it is it is very interesting it's what the eye sees yeah i find his uh, color grading extremely impressive it's just that and you can see the vignetting on yeah, the edges yeah, yeah. yeah. he has he that loves thing. that shit yeah, but if you come to Bahrain and create these kind of tones, it's a bit difficult because it's extremely sunny over here. It is possible, but if you look at uh, Canada, it kind of uh, gives you that kind of freedom to create these kind of tones. But over here, it's so like always sunny and so saturated, so yellow, so um, bright. Over there, it's gloomy, it's blue. So these tones over there are extremely easy to create uh, sure. in places like this. Even when it, it rains over here or when it's cloudy, it's this is the this is the perfect weather for these kind of tones. Sure, sure. Uh, but I, it's not like you can't slap an ND on your camera in the labs. It is possible, but you got to do some extra work then in in post Lightroom. What to put an ND on your lens? No, no, no. <laughs> to color grade these kind of tones. Oh yeah, that's true. But I'm sure he also he puts a lot of work on his color tones as well. I don't think he he shoots in from camera and then posts. I don't think that's how he rolls. No, no, no. He does edit, but. His editing process is extremely simple now because over the time he's created these presets for himself and then he just slaps it on and he's good to go. He's shown us uh, like if he goes live or some of the videos where he's editing, mm. he does it so fast. Well, but yeah, I think he's got uh, like 20 years of experience. Yeah, well, right? once, you, once you get the hang of your, your work and how you're shooting, what you're shooting. I mean, like when I'm shooting stuff, I know which preset in my in my category or wi wherever the presets are stored, which preset is going to look good on this that while I'm shooting. Muhammad? Muhammad? It is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm calling you Muhammad because that's what your Instagram <laughs> name is after, right? Can you, can you scroll down? We'll just scroll through some of his images. Uh, you do some really beautiful shots. I have some of a lot of my work archived currently because mm. um, I'm working on a couple of projects for which I need some project to not be seen. Well, if I do this, that I means just keep scrolling. <laughs> oh, no worries. Some really beautiful shots. You're a fantastic artist. Have you reached the stage yet where you're thinking less about composition and more about feeling? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, something like the rule of thirds, right? They always say that you got to follow the rule of thirds. And I believe that, I think Peter McKinnon once said it, um, once you reach a stage where you're confident with your work, you can break the rules. You don't have to follow the rule of thirds. Your eye is going to make you feel like, okay, this, this is fine. So even when I'm, when I'm composing an image, I don't have to take care of the rules anymore. Because I feel like I'll know how this is going to turn out later on and how in post, what can I do with it. So there's not like, there's no uncertainty of like, maybe this is not going to be good. Um, but if I come across a situation like this, I always make sure I keep options. I mean, the way I look at photography, I think of it as like a reverse triangle at skill, from a perspective of skill. At the very bottom, it's a technical, you know, your shutter speed, your f-stops, um, your, your SIO, uh, IO. ISO, ISO, <laughs> uh, your ND if you have an ND, and then the second layer is your composition. Yeah. You know, if you're doing rule of thirds, rule of odds, 
if you're doing uh, the star thing, whatever that one is called, um, where it's almost like a... It's almost, can you look up um, um, star, star versus rule of thirds? You'll see what I mean. It's a very famous photographer who uses it. Or maybe you have to type in, I don't know, different rules of compositions. Oh yeah, um, and in Lightroom we have like multiple options for composition. Yeah, I mean, so we get to see like different variations. The, 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 square, the, spir the, sp the, the spiral, spiral one, yeah. is is um, I forgot the term for it. I'm not the best with the terms uh, either because I never learned photography. The spiral is called the Goldie, not Goldie. It's called the golden golden ratio. Right. Yeah. Right. I think so. Uh, the idea behind the golden ratio is just because I in nature you find this like same formulaic thing uh, everywhere the ear of a human being uh, a, a galaxy um, seashells flowers yeah. all have that golden ratio and then there's also another one which is a star but i don't know what's it called so that's kind of annoying because i can't remember it right now um i'll put the link in the description for people for you guys out there who are interested because it's, it's really annoying me now. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah. Just don't give a shit. No, it's true. I just like, I'm just terrible with words. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which isn't great if you're doing a podcast, to be honest. It's not the best thing, but yeah. it works. Well, that's beautiful, that shot. That shot is beautiful. That is beautiful. I, I had a phase where I was shooting a lot of ballerinas. Yeah. Ballerinas. Ballerinas? Because oh, the movement and everything. Um, I, I love it because you, you have that beautiful skylight, yeah. beautiful light, and then you have that shutter speed at about 100 because you have that blur. 80 or 100, yeah. To, to with, with as that motion is that happening. motion, yeah. But the hands, the figure, the body is yep. all totally sharp. And she, the way the light falls on her face makes her look like, like the main character, the main subject. Oh, that's interesting because I think they must have another light source coming at her face because look at how the light hits her cheeks yeah right so it can't be from the window behind her otherwise it would cause a vignetting it's right it's definitely not from here so it has to hit her from front do you get what i mean if it's hitting it, because it's, look at her forearm i believe it's very like on top because if it's from a bit over here then it would fall on her cheek so because look at her head and her cheek yeah Right, especially that cheek and that. But her head is a bit tilted back, if you notice. Absolutely, but even if I tilt my head right now here to the back, you have yeah. you, you, to get that light there. There has to be, and it's, I mean, the legs are nice and dark, the arms. Yeah. But you, especially if you look at her wrist, there must be some light source, or it's bouncing back from that wall. It could be. I I do the think the concrete wall. Anyways, there is going a, down, down. There is a possibility that it's coming from the glass, but mm. uh, it could be like a light source on top as well. The thing about black and white, I feel like. It's easy to make a picture amazing, but if you understand black and white, you you wouldn't be throwing black and white in everything. So I'm very specific about black and white. I don't mm. throw it on anything. If you can go to my profile, I want to show you a picture. Um, so I had this uh, recent uh, recent concept that I shot. Uh, it's on top. It's the third sixth image, this one. So I I never thought any other color or any any other color would suit except for black and white because i really wanted to see the details of the, the cloth the fabric i chose a specific fabric for this for the lines to be seen um and the, and, and the emotion to basically 
be expressed. I tried different colors and nothing suited anything more than black and white. And I also wanted like not extremely black and white, but like a bit of fade. So if you notice the background, mm. it's a bit faded, mm. not like pure black and white. Mm. Can you go back to the first one, Dan? Did you do any kind of effect on the bottom? Because it loses a little sharpness down there. Um, no effect. What I did was um, I cleaned up the cloth a little bit because okay. his arm was seen. Okay. So I just uh, clone stamped and cleared, uh, uh, clone stamped and what's the other word? To just make sure the arm is not there, the elbow is not there. Okay. Other than that, everything is just super natural. With my profile, I try to keep as natural as I can. I only work on the color grading. Nothing more than that. But if you see my client work or uh, commercial work, then there's a specific re requirement like, you know, skin tones or uh, the pores have to be like flat and dark, which I personally hate. Um, and uh, basically manipulation like, okay, the background has to be, the sky has to be like cloudy and shit, even though we barely get clouds over here. Um, so stuff like that, but I'd, I'd prefer not to do it. Like I wouldn't have, I recently did like a, like an image. Uh, can you go back to my profile? With, uh, I think, can you come down? It's the, the, the one with the plane. Now, the plane is not real, right? I have edited it. But I also posted a picture on the next, if you swipe it, you would see the actual one. And the idea was like, how often do you believe what you see? So if I'm showcasing something that is not real, I'm also telling them that, you know, oftentimes you see something which is not real. So stuff like this, if I do such kind of editing, I tell people. I think you're, I don't think you should. I think you should just keep the, everyone, keep the, everyone does it. Yeah, don't, yeah, just don't tell anyone. <laughs> I, by the way, I love that comment. If it is a WhatsApp forwarded message, then no, and, and won't believe that. I don't know what that means in what context. You know, you know how it says forwarded on top? <laughs> you're like skeptical about it. I, again, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. If you don't mind, Dan, go on uh, Google, type in silent world photography. This is, by the way, my favorite form of photography at the moment, just because I'm fascinated by, by it. It's called um, silent world uh, photos or photography. Is it silent world? No, silent, Dan. <laughs> it's like you're into salads. Yeah. It's, I, I fucking love it. It's such, I mean, the, the whole concept behind the photography, his, his photos are just. And of course, it's going to take ages to load. But yeah, he, he, he has an ND, which is like plus nine. And he shoots with a very slow shutter speed. Whoo! Damn. And he does these beautiful images. So as you know, when you, when you have a really slow shutter speed and you put on an ND, all the motion disappears in the image. And so he photoshops then one or two people back into that image. Yeah. And then it, it, it gives it this like almost apocalyptic like feel Damn. to it. Right? And look at the one from New York, Dan. I love how there's like a little fog in the back, how... He, yeah, clouds, he adds that extra. Uh, yeah. The one from New York is the one on the right there. Next, yeah, that's the one. So every picture he does, he has like one person in it. Yeah, if, if it doesn't, if it wants to load, hopefully. There we go. Beautiful, isn't it? 
That's it's fantastic. There's another guy, I forgot his name, um, <coughs> who does also, because I'm at the moment at my stage, I like playing with shutter speed a lot. Yeah. Um, and he does a lot of very slow shutter speed motions, but for f full moon. Can you type in full, uh, 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 full moon, slow shutter speed? And so because the moonlight has a very, very different light, try landscape photography, moon, uh, uh, um, uh, landscape photography, uh, slow shutter speed. Let's see if that shows up anything. So because when, when you use moonlight, it has this like very eerie kind of whitish glow. Uh, with the water? Landscape photography, slow shutter speed. Maybe landscape photography, uh, moonlight. I'm trying to, it's, it's, we're going to be spending a few minutes trying to find those keywords. There we are, that one right there. Doesn't that look surreal? That looks like a sun. Well, it can't be the sun. <laughs> it looks like a sun. <laughs> yeah, but that's because of the effect of the slow shutter speed. Yeah. That is definitely the sun. Oh no, it isn't. How that is a moon. Right that's a moon. Night. That's a night. So you can you can tell by the water, like how dark it is. Yeah, or the clouds. That that yeah. is definitely slow shutter speed. You would never be able to do yep, that yep. otherwise. Beautiful, isn't it? Isn't that so surreal? Wow. Those colors. Yep. You're not that impressed. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just like, how is this a moonlight moon shot? I know it's, 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 it's definitely moon, but it's crazy how much light there is. And I'm like, is this at least thirty seconds or what? Uh, well, it says there, photography yeah. took the image of the ca Canon D ninety fifty millimeters. Yeah, that's seconds. the most you can go, right? At one point eight f stop. So at that's uh, definitely full moon, and. Yeah, like uh, any of the shots that I've shot, I've never never received this kind of result with like so much light. So that I'm I'm a bit uh, taken back by it. Like, okay, damn, this is possible. Isn't that really surreal? Just the colors. I might actually give it a shot to experiment and see how it feels. I've shot uh, moon and sky at night. Um, y there's a picture I want to show you on my profile, but you have to scroll down a little bit. Um, I've been doing a little bit of slow shutter speed, but like um, we're yeah. talking about like eight. Right. Um, handheld. Yeah, that one. Um, the go up, the the just below the mosque, the 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 one at night. It's a scar stars. No, no, no. It's yeah, that's down the there. astro stars, bit. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty beautiful. Oh, it's not bad. Five hundred likes. Ooh, that's a lot of. Uh, yeah, I think I was shooting at like at least. 30 seconds. No, I mean, that's that's a lot of um, grain. grain. Yeah, that's painful. we were shooting from like really, really far away. Mm. And so this was the distance, basically. And I yeah. was shooting on, uh, I think, at um, at least a 70 mm, mm. At least, yeah, 70 or 80. Um, and I was shooting on shooting on F4, but not F4, but like in a, a lens that is like max, it goes below F4. It doesn't go more than that. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one of my favorite shots. I love the color grade and everything on it, but it was a bit of a struggle to shoot this. This was with the Canon or with the Sony? So the Canon. So with the Canon, huh? I think uh, the reason why... How much why megapixels I have do you have with that Canon? 24. Okay. 24, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> well, for 2018, that's perfect. Um, I what? Feel like what are you talking about? 2018? 2018? Yeah. I don't know what that means. No, back in 2018. Okay, and Hasselblad came out in 1950s and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and also 20 megapixels. With, I don't know with, what that means. With the kind of budget. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, with Sony, it's, it's fantastic to shoot at night. I don't think Canon can get the kind of results uh, Sony does at night. I've experienced both. You mean the processing? Um, the low light photography. It's just brilliant. Yeah, you mean the processing. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just different it's way different with canon i've always struggled at night with sony i'm like shooting at like with even with the video if you're shooting at 50 iso it doesn't look like it's like so 50,000 iso if you're if you're, if your reason is budget constraints why don't you get the sony r sony r um sony r4 r3 or r4 yeah so i have this issue where if i'm in that year i want something that's coming out in that year or a year before. I don't want to get something before. So uh, when I was getting the A7S three, the R4 was not out yet. It was going to come out in December or January. And I really wanted that camera because the project um, was right on my head. So that's the option that I had to go for. And I was like, since I have a photo camera, why do I need something that I can just focus on videos? So I think I did make a mistake in terms of putting both cameras aside. So some shoots I'm doing photos and videos together. So I have to keep switching. And that's like very stressful. Um, so if I had like one camera, that would be great. But I mean, uh, you're never going to have one perfect camera, right? Yeah, that's the thing. So my next thing is to invest into a good photo camera because I think it's about time that I invest into a better photography camera. Cause so it like an A1? I haven't thought about it yet, but I don't want to leave Canon. The grip how the feel the, the, f the feel of it is just feels great. But Sony is a bit like compact, it's small, they have like big hands, so the Canon's grip, it just fits perfectly. So why don't you just get the vertical grip attachment for the Sony? Uh, it's more I money. I have, I have uh, uh, attachment issues <laughs> with Canon. But the reason I'm bringing it up and pushing so hard because it's so expensive having to buy the lenses twice. Yeah. Right? Because, oh, I mean, you could just get uh, um, a converter. Converter. Yeah. But an adapter or converter. But then your autofocus doesn't always work with the converter. Yeah, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. So that's why I'm saying if if you're gonna go and you do from what I understand you do like prime lenses. Yeah, but I have like what, five Canon lenses and one Sony lens right now. Okay. So jumping onto Sony would be a bit difficult. Can so you can you look up which one does Hasselblad use? Which lens type? Is it? Uh, is it Z lenses or C lenses or whatever they're called? Because from a photographer perspective, right, you'd you'd eventually want to either go with Zeiss, Olympus, or Hasselblad, right? Uh, Hasselblad, yeah. Olympus, I'm not so sure. They do H lenses and X lenses. I just wonder with what they're compatible with. There's. I've been I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for so long. <laughs> Budget constraints. We're talking about like twenty thousand BD, which is like forty thousand dollars. Yeah. And that's for like a secondhand one. If you want to buy it new, Hasselblad, you're talking about a minimum of fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's the dollars. thing. I'd I'd stick to Canon <laughs> or Sony until then, uh, but maybe someday. It's it. You know, you buy you buy a camera like that. That's it. That's for your life, right? I mean, if if you're buying a camera like that, then 
thinking from a commercial perspective, you need that kind of return on investment, right? If I'm buying a Canon, when I bought a Canon, my goal was to um, make the money that I spent within three months. Sure. With Sony, I did it. With Canon, I did it. With this, I don't think so. Yeah, but I think what you, where your misconsumption is, if you don't mind me saying this, is that when you buy a Hasselblad, you buy it for life. Right? You're never, I mean, 100 megapixels we're talking about. Sure, some Sony models offer it that as well. And sure, the Hasselblad does use the same sensor as the Sony, because the, yeah. the Sony supplies the best sensor. But from the color programming, um, is Hasselblad's own thing. Yeah, 100%. So. It's like a one-time thing. But then I, I, w I would look at, okay, what is my market like? Uh, does my market require this? Because I shoot something on, on a Canon with a 1.8 Nifty 50 50mm, and they're happy with it. Yeah, but don't you think when you tell your client, hey, you know, this camera is like a $50,000 camera that we're taking pictures with, don't you think that client they is going to give a shit? You are out of your mind. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you from my experience. It's insane. I've had clients who don't give a shit what, what thing I'm using. They're like, this is our budget. And I know that's like some clients are like this. But in Bahrain, I've had most of my experiences have been good. But some of the experiences that I've had, they don't give a shit. If I show up at a video shoot, right? Let's say I take my Sony FX, F, sorry, Sony A7S III. Yeah. Just base camera. No. Uh, no attachments. No attachments. Right. Just lens, camera. We're good to go. Clients will look at it and be like, "We're paying what, money for that." What is this? Yeah. Right? Exactly. If I if I show up with the same camera with attachments, with attachments, like, the yeah. kit, all this nonsense, yeah. like, oh my god, they're like, "Oh, this is where the money's going." Yeah. Do you get what I mean? And yeah. th you don't feel that? that that's that the is, case here. That is so true. That is that is hundred percent. But the thing is, with Hasselblad, it's a bit more. So let's say if I'm making ads, commercial, like regional level, not Bahrain level, like I'm traveling around and this and that, I have a higher playing clientele. That works. That works perfect for me. For, first of all, Hasselblad is, is used mainly for two types of photography, food and uh, textiles. That's that's about it, right? So you, you I'm sure you can bring in that money b back by by doing those kind of photographies, talking either to supermarkets and talking to, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to hit the mic, uh, talking either to supermarkets or talking to fashion like, like houses. I think there's a potential yeah. to bring that money back because they require that level of kit. Right. That makes sense. If you're talking about landscape photography, then uh, something like a Zeiss, something that is a macro for thirds, or um, kind of like shot, that's what people generally like more. Yep. So, see, you have a valid point, but I want to drift away just a little bit, sure. just to get to the point. If, as, as a freelancer, I'm most likely not going to make that money um, for years. As an agency in Bahrain, I would, right, within one year. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. That's insane, because I've noticed... Um, so what's the difference, by the way, between being a photographer and being an agent for people listening? So if you're a freelancer, mm -hmm. freelancer, you're considered as basic, easy work, quick work, not much effort. Low goes skill in. level. Low skill level. Okay. No matter how your skill is. But if you're a freelancer, you're seen as that one person thing can do it. It's like a quick thing and it's not a difficult thing. Most of the people that I've worked with actually think that this is it. But you have to educate them. You have to tell them. Um, but then if you're a part of the agency, you're like, oh, we have an agency, we have a team, and this and that. But the agency, at the end of the day, is hiring me to do the same thing. So do you own an agency now, or do you still a freelancer? I do. I So I'm commercially registered. Okay. So I do have, like, I run my agency from my home. 
so that you know I don't face any problems or troubles in terms of invoices and agreements and this and that. Um, but let's say I have a company established, I have an agency established. So I'll give you an example. First um, of all, do you have a CR? We can cut this out. We yes. can keep this in if you yes, yes, have. Yes, yes, I do have a CR. Okay. Yeah. And does did that help your business? So it does help your business because in the past when I did not have my CR, um, I had troubles where my clients would hire me, the, the trusted clients, and they would get so comfortable with it, they're like, okay, we're not going to pay. So wait, wait, sorry, sorry. Let me hear that correctly. So they were so comfortable they said they were not going to pay? Yeah. Uh, so their excuse in the last two years still goes on, Corona. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've had uh, I've had this uh, agency who reached out. I'll come to the agency bit in a bit. Uh, this agency who uh, asked me to do a shoot in the mid of Corona, right? Like mid of 2020, actually. Um, they're like, hey, we have this new idea we want to shoot. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to charge. And they're like, we can't pay you that, but we'll pay you this much. And I was like, no. I was like, okay, since I don't have much work, I might just take it. I want to be busy, right? And it was tough. So I took it, and then one month passed away. They didn't give me. They didn't pay me. To I delivered the work within five days. We'll come to the work bit in a bit as well. Um, two months, nothing. Third month, I called my friend who's a lawyer. I was like, "Listen, I want to work with you on something." And she's like, "Yeah, what's up?" She wrote me a legal notice. She, she, she like legally. She. How much money are we talking about? A very like amount of like four fifty or five hundred. Oh, okay, it's, 450, it's 500. Okay, it's okay, very okay. little. I thought you said 45 or 50. No, I was no, 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 no. <laughs> at that point, you're ready to no, get no. a lawyer. That's going to cost you more than anything. <laughs> no. Okay, um, so, so so we're talking about a thousand dollars, basically. Yeah. So I was like, listen, I worked and I deserve that money. I'm not going to let that go. Back in 2017, I would let that go because sure. I was naive. I was new. So uh, she wrote me a legal notice, and she wrote it like she she did it the legal way, the proper way. And she sent them a legal notice, and uh, I got paid within two weeks. After, After the legal notice? Yeah, within two weeks. The guy who was like... I like how you think that sounds impressive. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> you sh should have been paid like the day after. No, did, you, did you include late fees? Because they did not... Uh, um, I had late fees, but then I was so done with chasing after them, I didn't, get for the, I didn't push for the late fees. That's your um, mistake. That's like about three years. Now I do. Now I'm like, you don't fuck with me. <laughs> Now it's like if there's a week late, I have like a I have like a um, like a ten percent or something. I give them twenty four hours from my textiles, right? So normally from from my textiles perspective, uh, if it's a new client, I usually require uh, 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 I usually require payment uh, bef before we even production. But if we're an existing client, blah blah blah, then I only take about thirty to forty percent down payment because to buy the materials and yeah. stuff like that. So even if you skimp out or run away, at least the costs are covered. I might not be in profit, but I've covered the necessary costs, yeah. right? And so then, uh, depending on the client, sometimes we give thirty, sometimes sixty, sometimes ninety days. It depends on the order, depends on the relationship, blah 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 blah, right? And then after, when we have that designated deadline, we sub we submit it. The invoice again to them and say, hey, you know what, today is your payday, blah, blah, blah. If they come up and be honest with me and say, you know what, this is happening or this is happening or whatever, it's going to take us a little while, that's fine. If they don't reply to that, three days later from that point, I put a 10% fee uh, which on Which we already discussed before. Which you already discussed yeah. before. I give them a 10% fee. Uh, even if we didn't discuss it, I don't give a shit. I, I put it straight on that invoice, and I'm saying, hey, you're making me wait for my, my money. So I put 10% immediately on it, and I usually write them with, I'll go like literally to that business, and I'll go to the, to the, to the, to the purchasing department, 
and I'll give them the whole thing. I say, hey, you're three days late on payment. You haven't messaged me and saying what's going on. Mm. So there's a 10% ch uh, charge. If you pay me today, within the next 24 hours, I'll remove that 10%. If you don't pay me within that 24 hours, that 10% is, is staying there. And every week, you it's take longer, yeah. it's another 10%. How do you do with the, with the days, if it's delayed for days and not weeks? Sorry, explain, what, are your, what is your so question? So your, your f delay fees is per week, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's delayed for like three, four days, how do you do that? So if so, it, 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 so it's been delayed, right? I've already yeah. went there. I've told them the ten percent, right? After twenty-four hours, they haven't paid, correct? So far, we understand each other. Yeah. Ten percent is already on after uh, after right, that twenty-four after hours. So it's hours, already okay, that ten percent okay. is it already on. It doesn't matter how many days it has. It, it, as it, long as twenty-four hours hasn't passed by. After the 10%. exactly, if if it hasn't passed out that twenty-four hour uh, pass pass point, because now you've made me come to your office at that yeah. point three times. Mm. So I'm already pissed off with you. And if you come to me next time for work. You're not going to get uh, defer payment. You're not going to get any of that stuff. It's it's this um, what 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 my issue that I come across is mostly like, oh, we have to go through a process that's going to take 30 days. So mostly what I have is a 50 person before and 50 person afterwards. But my existing clients, I have this established rule with them. Yep. I'll deliver the work whenever you want, but the payment has to be with, done within 30 days because they have this. Most of the clients that I have are like corporate, like hotels or um, banks. So what they do is they have to go through a process where it takes it has to be signed off by three different people who are not always available in the company. You know, according you to something? them, according that's to bullshit. them, bullshit. I know that's it's, bullshit. It takes one day. That's it. Oh, the whole thing is bullshit. And if I if I if I was in your position, and especially if I'm running an agency, I wouldn't I wouldn't submit deliverables until payment has been completed. Oh man, I wish that was easy, but it was. It's always like, oh, we, we want to hire you, but we, the release release date is only like four days. I'm like, okay, it's not possible. They're like, okay, give us one week, but we'll process the payment in the meanwhile. Say no. If, listen, the, it, it, the more tougher you are with this is the this is the the thing I always think about is like trying to imagine it like like a sand dial, you know, like those sand watches. Yeah. You want that funnel to be as narrow as humanly possible because you only want the best of the best to come with you yep. because you've got the skill level, you've got the training, you're providing a great product, you're creating a great service. So if that client doesn't meet your expectation, then fuck them. Then yeah, look for a client I, who can. Do you want to I used to I used to face a lot of this issue in the beginning. I think now I have the clients who have been working for us for since last 3 years. So I don't face as much troubles. But with the newer clients, if the moment they say, "Oh, discount or oh two hour two two months or one month cannot work with them because they're very sketchy like i some of my dms are very sketchy they're just like either finding out something or they want to work with you and not pay you and i hear stories among my friends who you are, know what you should be doing at that stage you should be taking payment for meeting so if they want to work with you for example right, right. they're dming you they say hey we've got this potential blah 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 blah, blah right you do the same thing like I do with you, right? With Calendry. Yeah. You set a Calendry, you send it over to them, and then if they want to book your time for a phone call, you want to book your time for a meeting, want to book your time for whatever, you make them pay. Yeah, I've, I've had so many of these um, uh, back in like two, two, I think two years ago, or the time before, I used to have clients who approached, they were like, hey, can we set up a meeting? And that meeting wouldn't go anywhere because they want to discuss with you and they want to like convince you ideas. to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, they want to like convince you for something and then they're not going to come back to you. So now what I have to do is what I do is I basically approve the rates first. If my rates suit you, 
I'll work with you if you want to go with it and then only I'll go with you otherwise I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even set up a me because my time is valuable right and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come to you and not sure about the fact that you want to waste two or three hours of my time and then not go ahead with me just get my ideas see how I think and then convince me to work on a budget of like 80 BD for like a uh, thousand BD shoots if you don't mind me interrupting you, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm being so like upfront and aggressive with you, my brother owns a marketing company in Germany. Yeah. And when I was struggling in the UK, getting my stuff like up and running, I was doing meetings uh, from, from um, what's that alcohol company called again? I did one with uh, the vodka company, Absolute. Thank you, Dan. And it was for like 2,500 BD for 10 seconds, and they wanted a, three, th uh, 30, a 30 second shoot. And so we went, I took the meeting, I wasted waste a lot of time because they said COVID, we have to wait for confirmation, we have to wait for this, we have to wait for that. And so I spoke to my brother about it and blah, blah, blah. And he, he just called me like straight up. He said, hey, you're an idiot. And I went, why? why? This is a potentially big client. He said, potential doesn't pay anything. Hmm. And I went, okay, so what sh should I have done? He said, you should have paid, you should have made a meeting fee. Meaning if they're gonna take up your time to sit in that meeting, so for him, for example, if he goes to have a meeting with a potential client, that client is paying at least 500 euros, which is about 250 BD, just to have the opportunity to sit with him. And any ideas that he brings on the table, an NDR is signed, meaning yeah. that is his ideas. Yep. And then if they want to use that ideas with a different company, they can, but they have to pay for the fee then. That's how it should be, but it is not. Um, but over here. Th this is what he says, because I said the same thing. I said, well, you, you, you can't like duplicate that model, blah, 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 because you know, there's, there's, stoppage right and he said instead of wasting your time this is what he said to me instead of wasting your time we're looking for looking for compromises and working with these compromises with clients and being frustrated with them spend rather your time hmm. on building relationships and clients that su that suit your need yeah right you're, it, you're it, investing and, into it exactly and that really that really blew my mind right he said instead of trying to like talk to a hundred people and then maybe maybe it's like a potential client client and then you're still having to do a lot of compromises it's better to be very upfront and be like this is this is it this is yeah. this and this also seems a lot more professional yeah it saves you so much effort and time exactly and it's it, it, it gets you somewhere rather than you just hanging in the air and not not being sure about it sure let's go with you how many dms do you get a month roughly give me a bold number um, 200 no not that much um i would say under 60. So let's say the 60. Let's say with that new 60, let's say, imagine those are all the new 60. Work, work stuff, right? Yeah, work yeah. stuff. So let's imagine that all those 60 are new. Instead of you then, then, then spending time working out, hey, are they serious, are they this? You know, wasting your time talking back and forward, forward to them, sending them a calendar invite immediately that if they book your time, your phone call, whatever else, cost them 10 BD. How much of that 60 do you think will pay for it? Maybe 1%? <laughs> maybe <Barely. laughs> maybe one percent maybe yeah. zero percent the, the only serious ones will but th thank you yep so you're, you're 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 then not spending you know your time two or three hours in your week replying to fucking these people and being like are they serious what is their concept what yep. do they want me to do do you get what i mean yep yep the, the, that's the way to do it and i think uh i think we have to bring that kind of um a, a practice in this region in this region 100 percent um i i started off with a verbal thing like, okay, pay me this much. The idea of quotes and invoices only came when I started working with, like started seeing people around me or started uh, working with agencies and companies. 
they were like send us a quote and i'm just googling how to write a quote and uh, from like back in 2017 so um i think such kind of a practice is something that's that's definitely needed and it's a perfect like you mentioned it's a profe- professional way to approach uh the clients and for you to actually seem that way as well because what, what I'm trying to hit on that point is that your clients isn't just train. Your clients is everyone in golf. Yeah. You can get yourself a visa and you can work with X client if the money, if the money works. Yeah. I mean, uh, I Do get, I get like serious clients from Saudi every now and then, which is, which is great. It's like just a, just a causeway way. And then they seem a lot more serious than the clients over here. So like the Instagram clients, I mean, so yeah, I think that approach works and that should be practiced. Uh, this is just my recommendation to you. Yeah. I think if if you if you if you refocus your efforts, you get your your Instagram on the right like level, right wavelength. You move from from being a photographer to be an agent. Yeah. Market that ability. For me, my goal is not to be um, a full time photographer. So I don't put myself into that category, and I don't push myself to be out there as like that photographer guy for me for me i i i'm very um i like i feel like the word is resonated towards marketing so whatever clients that i work with my first focus or their first focus with me is what to do with the content we'll come to creating what should we create but how should we put out there what kind of audience should we reach out and how can we reach out to them Dan, can you go back to Instagram? By the way, for the audio listeners, I'm sorry, we've talked a lot about visual things, so go on YouTube and watch our episode to get the, the full content. Now, for the people who are watching on YouTube, write a comment and tell me what is, when you see this profile, what do you think? Do you see an agent or do you see a photographer? I know the answer. <laughs> I think we all know the answer, but yep. let the internet and, and uh, answer it, or, or if you're watching on TikTok, or if you're watching on one of our social platforms, leave a comment, tell me what you think when you see this content. Yeah, so when people see my, my stuff, it's always like straight up photography, right? So um, my marketing bit is more of like with the existing clients. I mean, you even see it, sorry, go back again, Dan. You even see it right here. It goes reels and then work. Yeah. <laughs> so right. So so work yeah. isn't even the so, first thing. No, reels. I just started doing it, so it it's it's like the first thing because that's the last thing. So currently, I'm not active on Instagram at all. Like, okay, thanks, Dan. Half of my work is not even there yet because I've archived a lot. If I could show you my archived work, that would be like a completely different profile. If you like, you can add it to a link, and we can have people then from who's watching the content see. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not sure how can I link the archived work. Uh, just uh, well, I mean, I'm worried that maybe some people will steal it, so you might have to put a watermark on it. But mm. otherwise, uh, you could just add it to a Google Drive and just make a shareable link. Yeah. So my my archived work is most of the commercial work that I've done. Um, something that is different to landscapes and most of the profile that you see right now is landscapes, right? Something a view basically. Um, but if you see my archive work, you you're gonna see a lot of. Uh, client work, brands, clothes, food, this and that. So currently I've put my profile under a box because I'm working on something else. Well, where have we landed now? Are you going to stay in Bahrain or you want to move to Sydney or somewhere else? So far I want to live in Bahrain Okay. because I'm like my financially and like in, in terms of living and everything, I'm very well established. So 
I want to keep it like that for a couple of years, but then my options are I would prefer to stay in GCC, but move to like a faster paced market, maybe like Dubai or Qatar or Kuwait. Saudi know. Arabia is also moving very quickly. Riyadh, insane, insane. So open to options, uh, still exploring stuff, but currently I'm staying in Bahrain for maybe a couple of years max. Uh, I reckon if you move to Sydney, I reckon that you could you could be independent from your sister moving from her space in a span of three months. It would get a head start at least because my sister lives there. I think not just that, but I think what what places like Sydney and those kind of markets offer where you could definitely make very short amount, like very quick cash, is real estate photography. That pays. The uh, one thing that pays is real estate. And I did not know that before in Bahrain. Oh, really? It, that pays here for you here? Yeah, here's here as well. Like How much it you charge? I've only shot maybe twice or thrice. And they pay me, um, let's say the work is, the work costs around 100 BD. Mm. They would pay me 500 for that. Not bad, not bad. Big buildings, small buildings, what, what, apartments, apartments. 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 Yeah. Do you do shoot videos as well or no videos? I do videos. Okay. So 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 um, I'm not sure, but uh, uh, I, so everything that that you see on uh, Vida Hotel space. Do you know about <coughs> Vida? Pardon me. Vida Hotel and Resort. It sounds familiar. So it's this. Uh, it's this uh, Dubai Dubai's brand basically. Okay. It's called Vida Hotels and Resort. It opened in Marasi over here. So I do all of their marketing. Uh, all of their uh, photography videography basically so everything uh, from lifestyle stuff to the so you're the brand manager basically basically the visual i would say the visual aspect so even the interior of the places and this and that so i've shot for them so that is good even uh, uh the people who hire me for just their apartments it's just, just a shoot even though that's a very less because i don't um, I feel like if I start marketing myself as that, I start posting about stories that, okay, I've done this, this, that, a lot of people are going to approach me. But I don't do that because I'm a lot busy with the current clients. But if I start posting about real estate, it has a lot of value because it has a lot of money. Here's what I'm thinking, right? And I think this is a great business opportunity. Mm -hmm. we, we create a bot, just message them like crazy. Give them pr three price categories because the people who are selling properties for 1.3 million for 500,000, they've got budget. Yep. Yep. Right. The moment you start, I knew where, where you were getting. Exactly. Perfect. And I think the best way of doing it is doing like three price categories where yeah. you say like, like, let's say 100 BD just for photo shoot. You just get pictures. Let's say 300 BD, you get videos and pictures. 1,000 BD, 500, 800 BD, something like that. A package pricing. A package of pricing, uh, drone shots. You can get drones here in Bahrain as well, but you have to go through a special a legal process, yeah. But then you can do like exterior shots from the building and stuff like that. That really, val that really increases the value of that product and not a lot of people have that license. Yep. Which, which is then another sales pitch for it, right? And the other thing that I discovered is is offering them two price choices. Being like, hey, you can pay us up front and it'll cost you this price. Or we'll take a commission from sales. You know, this the thing that I've noticed is an excellent point that you mentioned, giving them options. Because if you give them one price, they're like, I either it's yes or no. Sure. But if you give them options, they're like, ah, uh, the second one. By the way, you know how I learned that? How? 
in marketing, when I was doing my, my undergrad, I remember reading a case study, and it was about um, Coke uh, sales strategies. And what they've discovered is, is if, if they had a vending machine, right, they would sell Coca-Cola. And 100 people would walk past. What do you think the amount of people would, would stop and buy that Coke? The 100 pass by? Yeah. Half? About that. You're correct. Yeah. When they discovered, when they, when they put a machine that sold Pepsi right next to the Coke machine, what do you think the sales venue was? <laughs> the rest of the half. <laughs> it was, it, it, it almost, it, it became almost 200%. So, meaning that almost every person that walked past bought more than one product, more than one Coke. Because option, right? Because it became an option of, yeah. do I want Coke or do I want Pepsi? Not, do I want Coke or do nothing. Do I want it or nothing? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the way you brought this up and that reminded me, like whenever, if I like a client that I want to work with, let's say I want to pitch an idea to a client, I go to a restaurant, I really like it. I'm like, you know what? This might be a good client. So the best way for me to get that client is not pitching them an idea, but pitching them two ideas. And I've noticed, even if I'm making a mood board, I give them options, this or this, they're forced to pick one. They're not like, I don't, I don't want to do this. We'll talk more about this after the show and, and, and if you'd be interested in doing more stuff like this. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the best avenue of how to get that, that, that dough would be by offering them, offering, offering them deferred payment. Being like, hey, you know what? We'll do this whole thing. But on the contract is that we get then 0.001% of that commission. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that will, that will be the, the deciding factor because a lot of people will be like, oh, do I really want to spend like 500, 800 BD? How long is this property going to sit? Right? That, that, that ensures uh, income even faster. Exactly. Right? right? <laughs> but if they hear, oh, the other option is paying by commission because most pe real estate agents get like 4 to 5% generally commission on the on the total sale of the, of the building yeah sometimes lower sometimes higher whatever um, but but once it it's it's either oh do i want to spend 800 bd or do i want to potentially lose 15000 bd right <laughs> do you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> so i think that's that's that mechanism and i think there's there's a dial right there yeah it's, it's you have to make those slight changes just to get it, get it approved or just to go through it i think these are these little tactics that I wouldn't say outside, but my university specifically did not teach me this. My university specifically taught me terms like footfall, benchmark, this and that. There was no practical stuff. And when I came to the market, then I started learning stuff. And I think that's the best way to learn. The progress is a bit slow, but then that's the best way to learn and implement. That's like you can implement that. I have a friend in the UK who does exactly what we we're just talking about, and he makes 1,500 BD a week. Which is a one-man one business. Wait, with real estate? Just with real estate from yeah. Liverpool. He just takes pictures and videos and drone shots. And he says with drone shots, I get I charge extra, but not a lot of properties. And this is where this is how he taught me. He was like, "Listen, you don't message the buildings that only have that are selling it for like a hundred thousand pounds, fifty thousand BD. Who you don't you don't want to message that? They don't have the money to to, to spend on you. You want to message the million-dollar properties. Yeah, they have the budget. They have the budget." Right. Right. And, and, and then he said you work yourself down. And you know, the, the, the one thing that I also notice is that the clients with higher budgets are the clients with less drama. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the business <laughs> world. <laughs> it took me a while, but the clients with like less budget, they're like, mm, 
they're like those flies that are like you know it's isn't it amazing thing. when we when you have even if it's a friend right who comes to you and they're just like saying hey you know what can you do it for me for 10 bd do a few pictures blah 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 you're like okay just buy me coffee right whatever but the amount of requests oh my god they have isn't that oh amazing oh my god it's just it's, do you don't even deserve that <laughs> but um yeah that's that's the most frustrating thing ever but every client who has paid me whatever i ask at first one of some of my best clients ever give me an average price what, what's what's the general what's your general cost for uh, i usually have like half day sessions or full day sessions okay so none of my clients want 10 photos from a shoot okay they want everything that's great and they leave it to me to give them either 10 photos or 100 photos so do you market the amount of photos you take in a shoot is that your sales pitch um no i tell them that okay let's say for example there are five t-shirts or like um there is a lifestyle shoot that needs to be done in a hotel i'm like okay this is the plan and we're gonna do three or four type of shots at each angle or at each setup and we're gonna do about like five setups so you're gonna get like two or three shots from each setup that we do that's the pitch Okay, because usually with wedding photographers, they usually market it to the to the bride and groom and say, "Hey, you know, you hired me for your wedding. You're, we're gonna guarantee you two hundred pictures for your wedding." Yeah, right. With weddings, it works like that. Okay, so I don't really do weddings. Okay, um, but I, I've I've seen that works with me. Like I, I don't know how this works, but it works every single time. My clients trust me with whatever I give them. So for the product photography aspect. You, you're, do they give you a list of description and be like, we want this angle and we want this shot? And we, no, they just give you full they creative just, control. They just, so all my clients, they just tell me what the product is and they ask me, what am I going to do with it? Okay. So I come up with the design of it oh, or, fuck. uh, yeah, that's, that's why I charge them not just for photography, but I charge them for basically. Okay. You're not a photographer anymore. You're, yeah. you're, you're, uh, so you're an art director at that point. Yeah, so the thing is, um, there is no concept of, like, at a freelance level, there is no concept of art director, set designer. F there is, I don't, I don't find any food designers in Bahrain, like food setup designers, right? And I, and I know a lot of my friends who are photographers, specifically into food photography, who do the food setup design themselves. From lighting to the table setup to every single thing that goes into placing the food here and there, the extra props, this and that, themselves. That's what exactly I do. So give us some advice to our listeners right now, how they can make sure they're working with clients that are both deserving for your time and it's worthwhile. I think the most important thing is discussing everything at least over an email. Okay. That is the most important thing because if it's verbal, it's all, most of the time it's gonna go bad, especially if you're a freelancer, not a company, not an agency. If you're a freelancer, everything have everything as written. Actually, this is getting closer to home than a lot of listeners can believe. Actually, our two guys in the back, Dan and Murray, uh, had some issues right now with with a client, not me. <laughs> I hope, <laughs> with, I hope with, not. <laughs> with uh, with uh, some food photography. Okay. And the client then just halfway ran away. Mm. So, what what would be some of the ideas that you could come up with? To, to I think first of all, do not deliver until you know that you're going to get paid. That's okay. the first thing that I need to practice as well. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> but um, before ev before even that, have everything written through an email. Okay. Have it signed. Okay. Have it have the quotes approved. Okay. Because you need to have some proof. So if you want to take it, to, if you want to take it to a higher level where you want to, you know, file a ca case against them or you want to like, you know, make it legal, 
then you need to have some kind of proof. And even though WhatsApp messages are enough, but it's not formal. And what about if somebody just halfway through shoots or halfway through a project and decides to run away? I mean, there are legal ways to deal with that. But okay. in my case or in like a freelancer's case, I wouldn't deliver anything. Okay. I mean, because you you're still wasted half your like potentially exactly. if it's like a three it's, day shoot and you're one and a half days in. Yeah. It's just an unfortunate case. But then I would make sure. See, it takes I wouldn't go down that path, but it takes one Instagram story to put to bring the people down. Okay. And I feel like if you are a freelancer in the market, if you post about people like there was this XYZ coffee shop. That did the same thing. Um, to you, you're saying? Not, not to me. Okay, but in so Bahrain, somebody else. Then, in yeah. Bahrain, yeah. They, they got these uh, designers and uh, they hired them. And then the next day or the, the, I mean, a month later, they changed the locks of the place and they stole the design and they said, oh, no, this is our design. This, it's by the way, happened to our two guys where, um, where they worked with a client and they delivered but with watermarks. And the client, and the client then refused to pay and just posted <laughs> with the watermark. I thought they would either like clean it off or like crop the. No, no, no! <laughs> they didn't even bother that. They were like, whatever. Wow, the height of being lazy. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, how serious are you with your business? If that's yeah, I think like in that in that case, we should start putting like a massive uh, watermark in the middle. Half the image. Have, like. Full, full image, <laughs> right? Like a PNG on top. You can just see backgrounds. Unbelievable, um, right? But, but, but I think the most important thing is having things written. That has always saved me. Mm. Like, that's the first thing that I learned in the whole thing. If you have everything written, whatever the client says later on, you can back it up. You said this and not this. You, can, you have no place to argue about this. You show them the message, they're going to step back. They're going to get back to their own place. But most of the times, if you have things written, if you th have things in order, you're not going to face troubles or problems. Did, did your business change a lot between going from being a freelancer without a CR and being a, bi a business owner? Did, did that change the whole dynamic or was it kind of the same? Um, CR basically is company registration for the people out there listening. It, it changed in only one perspective. People, when they see, like clients, when they see my small brands specifically, not talking about corporates or big companies, Small brands, local local coffee shop owners or clothing brand owners, when they see the term CR and a number in, in a quote, they know it's serious. Okay. They are not going to mess around. They are not going to mess around. Because if you have a CR, you cannot, you, you have every right to make things legal and actually take them up. Um, so when people see the CR, it's like a serious thing. It's not just a random uh, street photographer who's just like doing for fun. It's a proper business and they take it seriously. It's just the example that you gave earlier about taking a normal camera and then a big setup, how people take it seriously. So you have to, you need to have like terms and conditions, every single thing. So everything that you've gone through in the past two, three years, put all of your experiences in terms and conditions. Like, okay, 50% before and that, delay, payment terms, um, currency and everything basically. And uh, if you have that line, the detailed it is, the there's a less chance of people messing with you because it is professional and they take you seriously as well. And to talking about the business aspect, what's the next plan for the next three years, five years? What kind of revenue do you want to hit? Do you want to do you want to get to 10k, 15k, 20k? I don't know how much you're making at the moment, but what would what would you like to grow to? What's what's the next target? Well, I, I would see it as as yearly. Okay. Um, for me, yearly, I. I do aim in the next three, four years to have um, a revenue between 
maybe 20 to 40. Okay. Around that. Okay. Um, if better comes, why not? But okay. uh, that's the aim. But that is not achievable as a freelancer. Do you feel like that 20 and 40, would, would that necessarily come from working with more brands or with working with, with what, fewer brands but more closely? Few, fewer brands but bigger brands. Yeah, but more like you, you take on a bigger project yes. then, right? Yes. Um, and I Also, I don't know if this is the right thing to say or not, but if you make yourself available to every single brand, they don't, they don't kind of respect you. Like, if you are working with every single brand, then there might be something wrong because you're taking every, every kind of payment. All the clients don't really, unless and until you have a big name, they're not always going to pay you what you demand. They're always going to negotiate to what their brands are. Rather than if you have two, two, three brands who, are you who you're working closely with on a retainer base or whatever it is, you have a target at the end of the year. You can actually make that kind of money and then you can basically foresee like what's going to happen. Have you ever thought about potentially starting up a completely new Instagram page, not connected at all? I'm not sure if we can keep this in, but we'll see. Um, we're, we're completely new email address, completely new profile, everything taking your existing content, putting it on there, however, buying followers, right, that are like 100K, 150K, 200K, and then maybe buying some likes and some comments as well, just to make it look more real, right? Yeah. You're, you're gonna be spending about 40, 80 BD. Now these things are very cheap and not yeah. like how it used to be. And then leveraging that fake profile to higher end brands you think there's a potential way of doing that or you think you're too that's, worried that's a um that's that's a brilliant uh, plan and idea but i would never go for that like never ever because okay. that's an easy way to do it and that's a faster I know a lot of people that are doing exactly that yeah. and they're making good money <laughs> i have i know companies um who are actually doing this i'll tell you later on sure. <laughs> which ones um they're doing this and they've established themselves based on this and they are massive now by the way i know a guy who did exactly that because He's always he's all about quick cash flow. He's like, if you probably you're talking about the same guy who I think. Oh no, he's on behind. Oh okay, okay. So his whole like <laughs> thing is like I've never met a guy like him before. He, he's his account is always nearly zero. Yeah. But he just comes up with his like, like super quick cash mechanisms. And one of the things me and him were sitting down, he was talking about it and blah blah blah. And he always complains. He always goes, Ah, oh, you're always full of shit. Too much theory. Too much theory. Just do. Just do. Just do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, look, he went, he, he made a new Instagram account, exactly what I told you, made followers, blah, 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 blah. And then just started DMing people for about two hours saying that he's, he, he made a whole crypto account. Okay. Right? Like in crypto influencer, crypto advisor, crypto, blah, 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 strategist. He made this whole thing. It took him about two hours because we're sitting down at a coffee and he was doing it. And then he just started DMing people, DMing people, DMing people. And then we, I walked home. I was like, hey, you know what? See you later. Do whatever you're doing. And he then sends like screenshots where he damn people saying, hey, if you pay me like 25 BD, I'll, I'll send you like a custom crypto plan. Okay. <laughs> by the end <laughs> of the day, worked. by the end of the day, he had almost, he had almost 500 BD. No way. <laughs> from, from PayPal, people sending him. <laughs> Wild. He's, he's that kind of guy. And then he just went and deleted the account, kept the money, and then <laughs> walked away. Well, one of those guys yeah. <laughs> he got he's, scammed. He's a criminal. He's a pure, <laughs> he's a pure criminal. Oh, my God. Poor guys who got scammed. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> all he does. Just all he does. But he's a psycho. See, it's, it's, it's a brilliant idea, but I would never go for that because I think 
there's something that I have that's like dignity and respect. He doesn't have that. <laughs> he doesn't have that. And I've always like thought about how this is very it works. But I've never ever sponsored a single story on my account or post. Even though Instagram gives me like twenty dollars a month to do it for free, but I don't want to do it. For some reason, I want to keep it organic, like very natural. Even if it's like at four thousand something something followers, I'm okay with that so far because I've solely made I've like I think I feel like I've trained my mind to be happy with expressing myself. That's it. So for for our Instagram account, the strategy we're using right now is engagement. So I don't believe in this follow on follow up nonsense. That's that's to me that's horseshit. So I hired someone from Upwork who just goes on Instagram, looks at hashtags that are important to me or to us as a company, and then comments on those images hmm. and tries to make engaging comments. Not just, oh, you know, you're so pretty or that looks amazing or oh my God, you know yeah, like organic comments. Like, like really, like, <coughs> like... It doesn't seem like a bot. Exactly. <laughs> I, w I want to create, like, serious engagement. And doing that process, in the span of one week, our Instagram grew by 15%. That so works. I think that is a perfect way to do it. But for my personal... So my Instagram, which is a public account, but it's still very personal and dear to me. So I keep it very, like, super organic. I don't... I mean, it doesn't get more engaging than that because every time we post, there's like karmic law almost because we've commented and interacted with these people's posts. When they see our post, they comment and interact with ours. Yeah, so our engagement is just... See, there's also this one thing that I came across a few years ago. It's like the more you interact with your followers, they're going to interact back as well. Absolutely. 100%. This works every single time. If you... You're relevant, right? So the more people see you being active on their account, so every time they see you, there's a natural thing. Oh, they, they wouldn't feel like, oh, he commented on my picture, so I have to do it. No. But it, they just feel like a natural need that, okay, maybe we should. You know what? Because we, we know that he exists or he is relevant. So that works. And it's, it's by far the most um, organic way to make sure that there is some kind of engagement. So that works. I mean... Uh I think you're you're totally right. I don't know how important. Well, how important is social media anymore for your business? It is the most important thing ever. Really? Yeah. I mean, all of my all of my clients. Something. Some of my biggest clients came from Instagram. Like, if I was able to afford to buy a car, it was because people saw me on Instagram. That's. I find that really fascinating because my brother owns, as I told you, an agency. He has zero social presence. Zero, no, nothing. His whole, he runs a whole agency with 15 people employed, not even a website, and even with a crazy name, bestseller. <laughs> Please give my brother business if you're <laughs> in Germany and you need, if you need a, uh. so to me that's crazy, but he's, he, he just calls it a waste of time. He says, that's a waste of energy. Um, I'd rather build real relationships. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, go with your past clients, have coffee with them, and, and knock on their like, like social network. That's a traditional method. It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's, but it's, it works for him. It works, yeah. If it works for him, it's well and good. But then the thing is that I don't think that approach is going to last for long. You don't think so? Because it's we're seeing the world pass so, so fast. There are people who are earning tons of money, maybe even more than, more than me. And they're doing it all. <laughs> maybe more than you. <laughs> all, <laughs> All by sitting. Well, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're I think they're well above you. You don't have to worry about that. No, the people who are sitting in a basement and just designing a logo. 
Okay. They they're charging what? Well, four hundred BD for one logo. I think most most of them send skyscrapers. I don't think a lot of them send basements. No, but but like, they're, they're, have you seen how people have like proper careers on just Fiverr? Mm. That's insane. They don't have to move out of their house even just for an inch. You know that lady? It's a lady, by the way, who designed the logo for Starbucks. I forgot her name. Um, she charges twenty thousand dollars, which is about ten thousand BD per logo. Per logo. And you get zero revisions, I think. But I might be mistaken. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So that's her. I mean, that's that's the value that she has, right? So it doesn't matter if her work is great or shit, but it's like she has that name and she's accomplished that level where she gets to she gets to say. Eh. The the guy, I think it was a guy who designed the Nike the Nike logo. They didn't want to pay him cash. From what I remember, this was like back in the 60s or 70s, whenever Nike was properly founded. Uh, she got percentages. Can you imagine? <laughs> percentages of today. Nike? Still earning for probably till today, right? Yeah, she never sold it. She owns, I think, it was, it was, it, she owns like 1% or 2% of Nike. It's the best Nike, thing ever. Right? Um, I, I w that also reminded me of the fact that, um, so let's say my work is, okay, it's not great. But if I have around... I like how you're not telling that for 20,000 people right now. <laughs> My work is... Okay. For example. It's not great. <laughs> so example. don't hire me, by the way. <laughs> so let's say my work is just basic. It's something that everyone is doing. Okay. And I have around 500,000 followers, right? I can charge whatever I want to charge. Or I can charge according to the number of followers I have and not the quality that I provide. That works. I've seen photographers, I've, I've seen graphic designers, I've seen artists who are selling just based on the number of their followers and not the quality of their work. That works for people. For me, I would charge based on the quality of my work. But if my work had the same kind of work that I do and I had like 500,000 followers, my pricing would be completely different. My pricing would be at least three times more or four times more. Do you think you want to get there? Definitely, 100%. Yeah. Um, what kind of timeline? But I want to keep it organic. You want to still keep it organic? Organic, yeah. I want to, I don't want, so that's the thing that I work with brands on. I don't want them to have like, their their likes are like um, Sylvia something and there's, there's like a bot who's just commenting. Um, um, I'm so naked tonight in the comment section on, under a brand of like clothing, right? If you see these bot comments everywhere, I don't want my brands to have that kind of comment section or even my page to have that kind of comment section. So I think I want to get there, but in an organically. And I think the best way to get there is by creating viral content. I'm going to be the devil's advocate because although I'm with you on a personal level, according to the Turninger effect, humans can't distinguish anymore whether or not it's a bot that's writing to you on like an like oh. an SMS or messenger platform. They're getting platform. so realistic now. Exactly. It's so, insane. So from the devil's advocate perspective, I'm like, yes, that is true. Some bots do suck, but we're getting there to a stage with, with AI image analysis Yeah. that you're not going to be able to tell. I think so many of these brands are paying for this, but they're not doing it right because you're going to see like 20,000 followers and their likes are 10. I think Justin Bieber was very famous. It came out that... I think it was like two thirds or or half of his followers were all bots. No way. So I, I think there was this whole trend in between where people were exposing celebrities of how many uh, fake followers that they have. 
Um, it's, it's insane because I know some brands over here who have who started and within two or three weeks or a month they had like 50,000 followers I love it I love it don't don't you just love it when you when you see the amount of posts like they have 200 posts yeah 150,000 followers yeah I'm like <laughs> and I see the comment section and there's nothing over there I'm see the there's the no likes or the views that's my favorite when they're doing like reels and they get like 4,000 views on reels but have a hundred 160,000 or 170,000 followers and you're like this is it makes no this? sense and they're like five comments under there and they're like um check your dm for more followers <laughs> so that's insane I'm but then you. but then i've also seen the same brands turn their 50k followers into organic like their 50k followers are fake but then the 20k followers are organic and the engagement is insane because they've used that fake following to get more followers for people to think, oh, this is real. So more people follow them and they started making content every single day. Content that is re relatable to people, that is relevant. Content that is, even if it's not appropriate, like it's not relevant, but it makes people... It's, it's like their niche, what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a trend. Even if it doesn't fit the market, it's like something viral went on TikTok. They're going to post about it. So... Yeah, I, I don't think we touched the TikTok topic. No, we haven't. I mean, there's a lot of time. Well, I'd love to have you back on if, if whenever you're free and we can organize a date. For sure. Um, love anything to. else you'd like to mention? No, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's just, uh, I think we need to have more of such opportunities where we can sit and share things. So it's not only a way to give back something, but also like for people to learn. And also it's, 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 it's like a mutual learning uh, space as well. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. And thank you for having me. Anyway, how people can find you? Yeah. Um, reach out to you? Reach out to me on Instagram, which is uh, zazo.jpg, jpeg. It's xaxo.jpg. And uh, you can reach out to me by sending me a DM. And it's all good. I mean, I've seen some of his, his off camera. He showed me some of his past clients and pictures. And I have to say, you're amazing. Content is really amazing. I'm uh, some of that images really, really blew me away S to the point where I even said to you, "Hey, can I get a poster format <laughs> from that?" Which you're gonna get. I it. don't say that very often, you know. And it's it's. It, I'm definitely gonna put it up somewhere here on the walls. I would. I would love to. I would so love to. yeah, that's uh, definitely. Um, we'll we'll put all your details in the comment sections, uh, or the better said in the info. Check them out, and yeah. It was an absolute pleasure, buddy. Thank you so much. Brilliant. <laughs>